are not millennials. We are matured. Brought up on collaboration as an art form, delivered as value. Steve. Hey, Moraine, I managed to remember to press record this episode. Ah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Happy 2022. And same to you, my friend. You had a good time? Oh, you didn't have a good time. You can't remember it. It no. was such a good time, you can't remember it. <laughs> well, we, we were in bed around 10. And not in a good way, but... <laughs> no, 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 no. We, it's we, good you have your missus doesn't listen to this podcast, uh, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> no, it was it was chill, relaxed. I had my daughter with me. Um, we were in the Netherlands, fireworks everywhere, so we couldn't sleep until 2.30 uh, because everyone was up. The dog was getting all crazy, stuff like that. So, yeah, well, it was it was relaxed. Well, we, uh, we had uh, a little bit of illness in the family. We were due to go for dinner with some friends. Um, the first lot of friends let me down, of course. They cancelled at the last minute, you yes. bastards. Sorry, sorry <laughs> about right. that. No, I get it, I yeah. get it. And, uh, and, uh, and so, yeah, we, uh, uh, we, we had some other, so I was cooking the main okay. meal, and, they, and uh, I, I, did, I found a, a wonderful piece of wild boar from the local Ooh. butchers, and I roasted it for two and a half, three hours oh. with cider and shikari, and it was wonderful. Oh. Except that we couldn't go because of illness. Oh. And so we ended up two people having to swap over. So I separated the main, and they separated the dessert, and and then we stayed at home. Okay, and, uh, because okay. that's what we had to do. But yeah, yeah. But the biggest problem with this holiday is because New Year and Christmas was on a weekend day. You know, it was on yeah. a Saturday. Well, that basically means you get the whole thing done in ten days. Whereas if it was on a Thursday and a Thursday, you take two weeks off. Oh, like that. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because it actually you just you, hey holiday started, and so I That's think true. a lot yeah. of people I spoke to today kind of feel it went a little too quickly. Yeah, 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 I get that. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Well, most of my customers were all closed during the holiday season, so uh, yeah, I didn't do a lot of work. But I played around with search. Ooh. We'll get on to that a little later, Ooh. maybe. I've been playing around with search and content types, which you definitely want to talk about yes. today. So yes, we'll get yes, on to yes. that in a little while. Um, I also got uh, uh, nominated or uh, approved for speaking at Chicago. M365 Chicago. M365 Chicago. So yeah, if you want to cool. come and hear me talk about how we can humanize Microsoft 365. Okay, I'm intrigued. <laughs> I am intrigued. Okay. I'm going to be talking about making statements like respect the user, not the application or the solution. So, oh. you know, as IT, we say, hey, you can now do this. Yeah, but how the freaking heck do we know that the user wants to do that necessarily? And what if they want to do it now? But, you know, so it's about... Okay. Taking a bit of a mindset change. Okay. Um, okay. Oh, that that that's that's awesome because I still remember in the 2013 days that I was talking to organizations about yeah I I know you want to do things this way but this is how the product works so just shift to how the product works because it's way too difficult to change the product 
to how you want to work. So just make sure that you change the way you want to work to how the product works. And that's why Microsoft did a lot of work on adoption because they know they wanted to change the people, not the application. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but anyway, so Ooh. it's a bit of that. It's uh, about uh, tools to support the user. So the adoption oh. tools. Okay. Um, it's uh, about um, the insight stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how insight should be set up and, and to add value to the user. And uh, the other thing I'm working on is uh, the processes you can use to ensure value at the user end, at the uh, the user end point. And uh, that's part of the Plan to Evolve program that uh, that we talked about briefly on the program a few podcasts ago. Mm-hmm. So, yes, mm-hmm. Plan to Evolve. The Humanitarian. That's the title of the presentation. Wasn't that's that a great cool. title? That is a great Don't title. Anyway, so, yes, yeah, so I'll be doing that in Chicago oh. on January the 14th, folks. So, that's yes, cool. register now. And uh, so I'll be doing that. So that came in. Yeah. All I need to do is to really get stuck into the presentation and get it the way I wanted to get to. And they were quite cool. The, the Chicago guys, big shout out for the uh, M365 Chicago guys. Uh, for the speakers, they're offering a prize if you send in your presentation number, you know you can do a, a test on, on the PowerPoint. presenter coach. Presenter yeah. coach. So yeah, they're saying that anybody that sends the presenter coach in by this date will put you in a draw for a prize. The yeah, bribery and corruption. I'm just not going to do it now. If you're bribing me, <laughs> <laughs> so that's quite cool. Okay. It was nice to get back on there because uh, yeah, it seems like the season is opening a little bit. I didn't get Glasgow, but they've moved now to June. Of they moved it, so I, I I don't know what they want to do with the Scottish uh, summit. Uh, I don't think they released any new dates yet. June, I thought they. Yeah, thought June, but say. I don't. I haven't seen any any oh, real no specifics. Normally, um, but yeah, the uh, the season's back on. Yeah, the the, I think the so. speaking season. So yeah. Cool, cool. Looking forward and, to that. And uh, most important at all of all, yes, is that we have booked Barcelona. We did. It's fixed. Yes. So we will be running podcasts from Barcelona. From what, the Plaza, what if we do a live from the Plaza Real? What if we try and see? We will check what bandwidth we got. Maybe we could do a live something. Hmm. Like a live YouTube thing. Yeah, or we something. could maybe do that. Yeah. We're life tasting, and I've been looking around at some Spanish whiskies. Um, and oh. uh, yeah, you know me, I'm, oh. fa- I'm fairly, you know, narrow minded. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> there is an, an organization called the Spanish Whiskey Club, and okay. they look like they've got some awesome stuff, but they're bloody miles away from Barcelona. And it's oh. a real, real shame. I, I'll, I'll send the link at some point, but uh, okay. And you can also buy barrels directly from them as well. And because they've got access to port and sherry of very course. easily, of course, of course, then uh, it's right up your sherry-filled mm. whiskey street. All right. So, all so right, anyway, right, so Barcelona's right. booked. So we, we're going to yes. have some fun podcasts coming from there. Yes. We'll start working on those subjects. And yes. that's at the end of February time. And, yep. of course, we hope – we're just waiting for confirmation, but – we hope we'll also see the new Formula One cars running around the track in the same that time. Would be a blast. It would yeah. be really, really cool. Yeah. So yeah, what else have we got to shout out about? We've got some people messages. Yes, we need to say a huge congratulations to Carmen. Carmen, new M new MVP. VP yes. for Power Platform. Power Platform, yes. Products. She's she's been doing Power Platform for uh, a while. Yeah, a while now. She really found her groove she did uh, yes with that um so because i remember when she was a baby 
And, you know, um, <laughs> that's a document library. That's a SharePoint site. Yeah, it was, was cool, cool when when to, to see her come in. I think it was her first project or her yeah, second it was a, project. Yeah, well, it was the first one in, in SharePoint. The yeah. first one with SharePoint. But yeah, I've exactly. never seen anybody pick this shit up so quickly as Carmen exactly. did. She, was, she really got into it. So yeah. congratulations, Carmen. You deserve it. Yes. You ab- deserve it. Absolutely. Absolutely. You'll never quite get to my level because I am going to go through my whole career and not be an MVP. <laughs> sure, that's possible. You've ruined yeah, it as well because you've got yours as well now. So you'll never be a non-MVP anymore. That's true. Where the real world people sit. Yeah, all right, I'm just right. trying to justify. Okay. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Wow, you are a bit slow oh, tonight. Wow. No, 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 I am. I, I was just looking for an appropriate reaction. <laughs> <laughs> okay we've actually had some fun so far tonight folks because we've been sitting here chewing the cud as we always do and then regretting not recording it but it was good fun so we now don't need to try and remember it and repeat it but at least we have got the podcast recording yes we screwed up last (laughs) time better than last time and uh thank you for all those people that downloaded our our uh, christmas loop the ribbon we got really good numbers for christmas considering uh, the only thing I can say is that our listeners must have been really bored over Christmas because they've been listening to our podcast. Thank you very much, guys. Awesome. Awesome. What else can I tell you today? Yes. Ooh, uh, Whiskey at Ease video is now in edit mode. Aha. Uh-huh. I actually uh-huh. got round to doing it. I've been sitting I, on it for three or four weeks. I actually totally forgot about it. Yeah, no. Wow. Uh, we yes. recorded it at the end of uh, October, beginning of November, and then the exactly. world got chaotic. But uh, yes, it's now being uh, in edit mode. So that should be yes. going live in a couple of probably by the time that this one goes live as well. Cool. Uh, and, and then we course, can probably do a few more in uh, Barcelona. I, th- I think so. Yeah. I think. Uh, because we we now got the kit down, and we'll have natural sunshine on that wonderful balcony. Yes, 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 yes. And we we need to go back to the banker's bar. I was thinking about that the oh, other day. Yes. yes, I've never been to. I've still never been to a place with so perfectly round balls of yes. ice. <laughs> of ice. <laughs> no, but it was it was really those glasses with a huge piece of uh, yeah ice in yeah. there, and uh, and yeah. they also had a really nice collection of. Bourbons that's, and whiskeys. That's right. And, that's the first time we had that yeah. small little Hudson. What's it? Was uh, it Baby... Baby Madison. No. Man- Manhattan. Manhattan. No. It was, yeah, it was from New like York. That. Yeah, yeah. It was Baby... Baby Hudson, yeah. Baby Hudson. Mm-hmm. Well, we anyway. can't remember, but it anyway. tasted awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and also, quarter cask. That's where we had the quarter first cask. quarter cask. Yes, Exactly. All right, guys, and yes. we're going to talk about content type sometime tonight. Yes, <laughs> that as well. But you're on the roll. Wow. Yeah. Du, 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 du. Sorry. Okay. Cool. So we we one of us has to be. We now cleared half of the of the the, the paper, board. half of the board. Actually, the board looks a bit sad, to be honest, Marie. Exactly. Yes. You you've been on board duty tonight. Yes. And we've only filled the top third. Exactly. So what yeah. are we going to talk about for the second hour of the podcast? Well, I think that there is a good uh, conversation to be had about content architecture, about content types. And, you know, almost a year ago, we kind of did a, um, a, a how do you call that, a, a query to our listeners. And uh, some people said, yeah, you need to be more cohesive. So that's why we bought a board. Or you bought a board anyway. Uh, and we've been using it ever since. But one of the things that we also got back was uh, people saying, well, 
we could use more of those uh, basic uh, stuff and practical stuff as well. So yeah. that's why I was thinking yesterday, why don't we go back to basics around content types and content architecture? Like what are content types? Why would I use a content type instead of just doing it manually and just doing it in my libraries? Well, well actually, it depends. Oh, that's good. That's the good. first so one that... of 2022. Boom. I got it in first. Boom. <laughs> A mic drop. So right, yeah, yeah. I, I thought, I thought, you know what? Let's let's go back to let's go back to basics. We're not going to go back to basics. We will explain the basics, but then we'll work on the next step. Of course, that's yeah, what we yeah, need yeah, to do. Yeah, but yeah, it, yeah. but I agree with you on the context that um, content types are something that easily gets forgotten. They yes. they don't get done. You know, how do you discuss the requirements for your SharePoint sites and include content types? You can't. And also, the last year, they've changed so much. So even yep. even those of you that are about to turn off the podcast because you think you understand content types, they've changed so much and are changing. Yep. So, um, yeah, back to basics. Content types, yep. content architecture. Yeah. Good idea. All right, cool. First... Things first. What is a content type? You're asking me? Yes. You wanted the subject. You answered the question. <laughs> All right. right. No, no. Content okay. type. So it is... Um... Let's make it practical. I'm, I'm an organization. I'm selling cars. And I want to manage my content better. You're an organization that sells cars. Yeah, I'm a garage. Oh, you're a garage oh, so, now. Yeah, let's say I'm a garage and I'm selling cars and doing maintenance on cars. I, I don't know, just... <laughs> we like cars, so why not? <laughs> you've not yeah. done any training for a while, have you? No. No, so you've not getting a relative example that we can work on or something relatively simple. Okay, let's no, say, no, let's let's say no, I'm no. a big pharmaceutical company I, no, and there's, boring, a, boring. there's a huge uh, virus on the world... <laughs> And I need to manage my documentation. Okay. No, let's, let's go, let's go to the cars. in the garage. Let's yes. do the cars. I quite yes. like that. Better still, let's go Barcelona and go Formula One. Yes. So um, what would a content type be in the context of Formula One? So that car is over 2,500 pieces. Okay. Uh-huh. And it costs over a million quid just to build the one car. Yeah. But behind that car, there are 800, now let's half that, there are 400 design staff that are working on those 2,000 plus pieces within that car. Mm. And imagine that somebody builds a piece the way they want to build it without being able to consider all of the things around it, then it wouldn't fit. And so you need to be able to coordinate all of that content and all of that information. So if I take one piece of that car, that to me is a content type. All right. So mm -hmm. we're okay. talking about the front hub strut for the first front right hand wheel. Okay. If you look at the cars, it's that black bit that links the wheel to the body. All right. It's oh. part of the suspension arm and everything else. Now, if that's our content type, what would be associated with that? Well, first of all, the metadata that goes with it, mm -hmm. how long it is, what is it made of, who needs to, um, uh, what does it need to fit into? What yep. is the dynamics of the material it's made of, et cetera, et cetera? Is it to regulation? All right. Yep. So that would mm -hmm. be your, your metadata. Mm -hmm. Your template, 
well, that's relatively easy because it needs drawings and uh, and um, it also needs to start off within that regulation. So yep. it can be this long and it can be that wide, but you're able to flatten it to make it more aerodynamic if you want to. So that's a template. Does that work so far? Sure. Good, good. Yep. Workflow. Workflow is easy. Lots of workflows around that part. Yeah. So, you know, Approvals. When, when Bottas takes the car into the wall, there's a workflow process that getting one out of the box, make, doing the appropriate adjustments, preparing it to fit to the car, there's a process for it. Modifications, as you say, uh-huh. needs to be updated because it's actually causing a bit of drag when we go around corners on the left-hand side. So there's a process that says, okay, let's identify where the weaknesses and strengths are. Policies. Regulations, we've talked about regulations, we've talked about uh, how secret it is. If you're innovating around this area of your car, mm-hmm. you don't want your competitors to know about it, so yep. you would secure it. So that yep. content type is about all of the processors, rules, regulations, metadata around a common piece of equipment that is reused, because that would also be on the left-hand side of the car as well, with a slight change. Mm-hmm. And the right-hand side, uh, the rear and the back, but again, slightly different measurements and everything else. So I would have a content type with some child content types that are all based off the same process. Okay, wow. <laughs> content types. It's actually relatively <laughs> easy okay. to do. So let's yes. talk about a business one. Yes. So um, how easy is it to turn on SharePoint on the tenant? Do you um, actually have to turn it on, or is it already turned on? Hey, we've got a new if tenant. If I and buy a new tenant, then it's, then it's, it's already on, yeah. Okay. And 80%, and I'm pulling the figure out of the air, will just go and start uploading documents straight into that site. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to create a site called uh, Car of Altry Bottas, and I'm just going to put all my files in there. Cool. And I'm going to create a site called Car of... Uh, Lewis Hamilton, I suppose, or George now, of course, for this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to put all George's car stuff in there. Uh, like, they've actually created a new steering wheel for him because his requirements are different to Bottas. Really? So they've customized his steering wheel because it was what he complained about when he raced at Bahrain. Sorry, guys. Let me, I digress. But yes. <laughs> no, but th- that's so, useful information. No, no, no. Okay. That's the way yeah. they, they, these steering wheels cost about £35,000 each. Oh, okay. All right. The big software engine. Um, so, yes, you would group the, basically use the content type to group these things together. Um, but of course, if you just have a container and throw it all in, you, your parts are going to get mixed up. It's a bit like going through my yeah. garage and looking for a bolt that fits into a particular hole. Um, it's not going to be easy to find because I don't have that metadata. Yeah. And of course, I and don't. it's all different metadata as well. If I put everything into, like, Bottas, his car is it, it's going to be two thousand five hundred parts, and all these parts will have different metadata. Correct, different version numbers. The cars yeah. from different years, they were the same content different type. Different templates that I need to use. Yeah. So basically, from a business perspective, um, when I start saying somebody needs a SharePoint site, so I had a request a few days ago. Um, they said, hey, look, there's a team that's doing a change. And I know that we've now just rolled out communications and messaging and meetings on our MS teams. Um, can we, you know, now start using document libraries and stuff so that this special team here can actually do it the new way and not go through folders and everything else? And I'm going, no. All right. In my head, I'm going, actually, what I actually said was, yes, 
But. but. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Because what, okay. I, what I don't want to happen is for them to suddenly start throwing up all their documents without me categorizing it through a content type. So when they upload a document to that particular library, I know that this is about modifying product X. So mm-hmm. everything in that library is tagged with that content type, modifying product X. And the other team that's doing product Y, when they upload to their library, they, they it will be slightly different. It might still be a product, but mm-hmm. it will be a subcategory. And that basically then means that the quality team can roll up that content into share, into sh- into search web mm-hmm. parts, the new PMP stuff, which has caused me all kinds of headaches over the Christmas period. But um, it, it you once you get these things cons- configured right, you will be able to use the you know the filtering and say I want that part from product X and I want the part from product Y and it, you will be able to get the information and details that you need. If you didn't do content types, you'd have to build um, specific pointed kind of query, query yeah, yeah to a location highlighted content and every time things, you wanted yeah. to add a new library mm-hmm. you know for you need so to for, add those you've got there. to add that yeah. location and stuff so effectively what content types are doing is they're adding a layer of intelligence on top of all of your containers if you do it in a central location if you have thought through about what your architecture is going to look like Exactly. If you've tagged everything and set up each of the libraries in the right kind of way. Yeah, because then we're really talking about content architecture because you can create a content type on a site level. Yes. Um, well, site collection level, let's say. Um, but you can also create those in a central location called your content type hub so that then you can just create those content types once and then reuse them in all the sites that you want to reuse it in. So let's say you're doing 500 projects a year and you have a project uh, initiation document that you need to have for every project. So you would just create that in your content type hub and you would make it available on every project site. How accurate do we want to be? I mean, I'm, I don't want to be pedantic here, a new no, posh no. word. I don't want to be difficult, but it's worth just to explain to people. <laughs> I, don't, I, I yeah. do want to be difficult, but I won't be. No, no. Um, it's worth saying that in actual fact, if I go to the content type hub and I create a new content type, mm-hmm. and then that content type is then identifying my project initiation documents. So I also now have project budget documents, yeah. and I have project whatever documents. I can have those mixed in the same library but I'd be able to go and pull out all the initiation documents from different libraries and different sites. So, but it's not actually the content type that is in the library that is the one you created on the CT hub. So you actually end up with a copy of it, like a child copy. Yes, yes, yes. But you define it in the content type hub. Yeah, you start off with content type hub. Well, it's important to understand because, again, my pain in the ass week trying to deal with this search stuff... um, what SharePoint Online does is it, it it extends the content type ID by two digits. Yes. Every time it adds a second item. So by and you can use the good old fashioned asterisk wildcard uh-huh. to identify them and say, look, and I want this content type plus any of the ones that with are numbers kind after of, it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So th- this idea that you have these separate copies of the content type that are linked mm-hmm. means that if I update one, I can roll those changes all the way down i can publish them to if i want to add a new metadata item to it i can add it down the line 
But it also means that if I just want to be able to have a content type locally on the site, I can just create it locally on the site. Yes. And I don't have to have it linked to a parent. Okay. No, but... Why would you do that? Yeah, what, what would be a use case where I just want to have a content type just on a site and not for the whole... Well, if I if I just want to be able to reuse the same metadata and the same template across 200 libraries on, on the, the same, same site, site, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. then yeah. potentially I Makes would uh, I would then just be able to you know add those content types um, because content types are not just about corporate architecture. They're they're uh, the way I train them. Whenever I describe somebody what a content type is. It's, I always go back to naked chocolate. You must have, have I mentioned naked chocolate before? I is know this, is this naked the chocolate. first time that we've mentioned naked chocolate on one so. of these podcasts? I think so. 75 podcasts in, and the first time I've mentioned naked chocolate. Okay, so imagine you go to a sweet shop. Yes. Chocolate bar shop, right? Well, actually, go to any Belgium chocolate shop, and you look at all of those beautiful pieces of chocolate in front of you, but you don't want the ones with nuts. Yeah. How do you know which ones have got nuts in and which ones haven't? So imagine that you've got a Mars bar, a Marathon bar, a Twix, a Milky Way, whatever you've got. Yeah, okay. But they're all naked. It's it's beautiful that you talk about beautiful Belgian chocolate. And then as an example, <laughs> you use all that garbage. Anyway. Agreed. agreed. Anyway. But anyway. you know what I mean? But yes, right? yes. You, you must be intimate with your Mars bar to know that that's a Mars bar over a, a it. Yes. But of course, then what we do is we put a content type around it. Yeah. So the content type has got all it's of the, the information. Is the wrapper exactly, and and it's the right way. It is around it, so it's yeah. like an uh, another container. Yeah. Uh, around the object, and on that one, I can have the ingredients and the weight and the price and the description and the name and all that wonderful metadata. Has nuts? Yes or no? Yes, yeah. exactly. It has workflow yeah. as well. Because it has an expiry date. Yes. So that date is different on each of the bars. So you know that if it's the expiry date, you slap the man behind the counter and say, you're trying to sell me a chocolate that's out of date. Yeah. Template. Yeah. You know that it's got consistent recipe because it's based on a template. Yeah. So that wrapper around the chocolate bar is how you describe the content type. True. But if I'm in just a little sweet shop, I still need the content type to tell me about that particular chocolate. Yeah. If I'm in a big supermarket, I need the content type because I just have a bigger selection of chocolates. Uh, on if I'm in a supermarket, I need to know how many of those I'm selling, so that I yep. can restore them and and repackage them. So uh, so content content type can be local and add value as well as being an enterprise, and and it's a copy of the parent content type as a separate object, but with a link. So with a magic piece of silver thread that kind of allows it to get rolled up and and updated and republished and copy new content around. And I'm going to shut up now. Okay, no, that 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 totally makes sense. I, in one of my first SharePoint Saturdays in Belgium, that I attended, I attended this um, a talk from uh, Patrick Sletz. I don't know if he will ever hear this, um, but uh, that was for me a real eye opener. And the way how I described content types ever since that day was that he was also talking about going to the supermarket and um, he, he needed to get a piece in a can, but he just had all these cans without a wrapper. So he needed to open up all the cans to see what's nice. in it. Oh, tomato soup. Oh, uh, carrots. Oh, something else. 
So that that was brilliant, and that was the the awesome way how he described uh, content types and, and metadata uh, as well. So that's that's how I've been. I once I once heard a guy at uh, Ignite, it was Vegas, uh, and I walked in because I saw that his content type, so I followed him through, and he was describing uh, the drawers in his kitchen. Okay. So you know, this is my the drawer where it's got my knives and forks in, and so I have. You know, and that's how he described it. Even though on the outside yeah. the drawers were all you know, the when same, you open yeah. them yeah. and see what's inside them, then you you see what the value is. Okay, but yeah, so there's many ways, but they're basically a way of grouping different kinds of information yep. and tying them to an object. Exactly. Or not. Or not. Or not. Elaborate. No, work it out. Yes, so and so. You've been in SharePoint for over ten years. Where else might I find a content type that's not associated with an object? In a l l l in a list list. Okay, <laughs> but it's the same thing. It's an it's empty the same wrapper. Thing, yeah. So the form um, is so, it, but it, we can't say it's, it's a, a list content type and a document content type are different. Of course, but yeah. we've got we've got page content types. We've got oh well, yes, I suppose uh, that is true. I don't know. Tasks yeah, they, might be a content. But they type all have objects well, but, associated yeah, yeah. with them. So yeah. so image image content yeah, types and yeah. stuff like that. But list content types are naked content types without the con- yeah. The it's just metadata. Yeah. yeah, correct. And that then gives yeah. us our our forms and our ability true. to, true, to true, find true. and sort these things out. So sorry, I was a bit diverse there trying to get you to work yeah, that one out. Okay. Watch the sweater. Ah, well. thank you. Your wheel is on it as well. Don't my, pull it. my seven euro Marks and Spencer sweater awesome. that I I kind of bought thinking, yeah, that'd be good for a few days. I think I've had it about three years now. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. All right, okay. Good. So, um, so we we so, started off, but with you talking all about content types that you've got metadata, you've got a template, you've got workflow. You've got policies. Yeah, and yeah. we've also, I want to make sure okay. we emphasize to people yeah. that we also said, you have to think about these through. It is an architectural decision. Yeah. And if you don't do it, you can't easily go back. So if you end up uploading 3,000 documents into, you know, a couple of document sites and you have not defined the content types. It's it, a pain in the butt to... It's, Mark it's them really as the, impossible, yeah. to be honest, yeah. at that point. There's so, a, a lot of work. So your because, search strategy is just screwed up in one go. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because the content type is something that you can show in a column, but you can't edit it Correct. in a um, in an edit view, let's say. No, and you can, yeah. uh, although you can do, you can reapply a, docu- a content type to multiple documents um, yes. at one go, but yeah. it doesn't always work well so, which is brilliant because you couldn't do that before in 2013 yeah but i this weekend so for example i got a document library mm. i'm trying to get a content type to view in, in a search um, and so i went to this i created a new content type because it wasn't working mm. and then i went to the document library selected eight documents selected the content type still wouldn't come up in the search i created a new document in the same library so it now picked up the content type automatically Bing! There it is in the search results. So, oh, so for I, I, yeah, okay. so there, there's some of these are a bit finicky around there, which is why it's really important to okay. just sit down and th- and think. Okay, I do I need to design this architecture before I start rolling out my SharePoint sites or before mm-hmm. I start building my site? Yeah. Um, a question 
I, I know you're gonna love this question, but okay, just give me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Warm yourself okay, up. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, for okay, it. okay. Clean, clean out your mind. Go away all weird thoughts. Okay. Um, A question that I hear often is. Don't take it personally, Moraine. They just don't know you very well. <laughs> <laughs> How in the world? No, okay. Go on. So, um, I've got, if, if, I, if I start with my new uh, vanilla SharePoint uh, tenant, I've got a document content type. So, if I'm going to create other content types like user manuals or that project initiation document, Am I going to um, inherit from document or am I going to create a garage XYZ document type that would be in between all the content types that I'm really going to use and my default document content type? So my question is actually, am I going to start inheriting from the document content type or will I create a separate content type that would be the mother of all documents within my tenant and start inheriting from that one it depends right i was going to say that yeah but that's i was just thought it's just going to be funny if i say it again mm. um uh, you have no choice but to to inherit from the document content type so yes. you both answers you're right so just so people know all content types are hierarchical yes Woo! two whiskeys in and i can still say it but not twice but they're basically, you know, I talked about one being linked to another. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, but my uh, question is, do you want to create? Yeah, yeah, I know where your okay. question is. So no, that's fine. I just want people to get the context. Oh, sure, sure. That's fine. Okay. So we have a document content type. Do you know what the parent of a document content type is? Item. Goo, give the boy a whiskey. Whoopa. And do you know what the parent of the item is? No. System. Okay. Uh, I only, I don't know why. No, I think it was because I used to teach this to the US Army okay. for two okay, days. Okay. Two days on content types. But yeah, so system and then item. And of course, that's your parent content type for your lists. But okay. then it's document. So I agree. And then, of course, your content type that you build is going to be based on document. Mm -hmm. um, so the answer is yes. You have to work out what my content structure is going to be at a baseline level. So uh, you, your baseline governance is going to be uh, I need to build a content type structure that I can build on in the future because I'm not going to spend six months assessing all the content in my organization before I put in my first document library or my first site. Nobody's going to wait that long. No. So the way I, I approach it is that I start off by working out what my site structure is going to be, my intranet structure, yep. for want of a better word, home site, HR um, site, HR, legal, yes. like that. Yeah. and then I create content types for all of those. And I work down from the top. So, I have so you document. create an HR content, I do. document content type, and uh, purchasing document yes, type. Yes, I do. Okay. So what I do is I start off with document, of course. Yeah. I then create an enterprise baseline content type. So it usually has baseline. Yeah. And then I then base, and then I put in there all of the metadata that I want to have across the whole organization. So, for example, I would have by default an enterprise term managed metadata. Oh, list yeah. so that I can set up if I want common terms across the whole organization. And then I would base my legal content type off that baseline, my HR off that baseline, which means it inherits the columns from there. And then I can add individual columns like 
legal number or company number for finance or whatever I need to do yeah. uh, level. So they're yeah. all linked together. Yeah. And if you don't do that, how can you search for the whole organization? So you'd need to be able to sort of, you, you need to have them linked so that when you search at the top of the organization, you're picking everything down. And what I tend to do is that I use that legal content type then for all legal sites. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. uh, and this is why we had this conversation earlier where I thought they were being inherited in hubs because I would then connect to those legal hub sites. And mm -hmm. I'm still convinced I've read somewhere that it does this, but we'll worry about that one later. Something, you know, we just yeah. don't know. So, yes, I would certainly have that content architecture. And then, of course, anything you add on to that, you either have to decide, am I going to integrate it into that set or am I not? We talked earlier about uh, a company I'm working for that's got these general documents. Mm hmm and they have a folder structure for general documents that's not really owned by legal or HR or safety or quality, but it's got legal HR and safety content in this structure so that yeah. everybody can get to them. Yeah. So what I did then was I had this general content type created that I then had a bunch of metadata to be able to separate all those things are. And I have different libraries and different sites. One library will have the legal content type in, but another library, which is basically available to everybody in the organization, will have the general content type in. And that way I can sort of pick and choose what I want to show and, and put anywhere. Uh, so start off simple. Start off yeah. with the basic divisional structure and then build from there. Yeah. And, and you will build quite quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, if you're, if you're using content types, you will very quickly get to 100 content types in, 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 in no time. But yeah. your recommendation is, okay, so start with document, the default document that's on there, create a baseline yeah. beneath that, add the metadata that you want to have yeah. for all the documents, for example, metadata, manage metadata, um, and then create your HR as a child of that, uh, legal as a child of that, purchasing as a child of that. Okay, yeah. cool. And then if, if you also don't need, if you also need content that is never going to be tagged with an enterprise term, mm -hmm. so for example, project documents are often, then yeah. I would create a peer baseline called project baseline underneath document alongside the corporate as baseline. As a separate tree. As a separate yeah. tree, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so that you actually have like, um, approved company information and you've got your project information. Yeah, as you're, the separate... way your project yeah, office yeah. decides to work and, yeah, and manages exactly, content. Exactly. You have so, to be very careful. Oh, sorry, go on. Why, just as a, as a question, so why wouldn't I create HR and legal uh, directly from, um, from document and just give them their own managed metadata column? Because you're saying, okay, I, I want to have one managed metadata column that will have all the tags from my company in that one field. Why not use, for example, HR with all their own HR tags in, the, in that HR managed metadata and then use legal for all that legal managed metadata? Um. <clears throat> I th I think I understand the question right. So there's two. I think there's two things. So just to be clear, um, you were saying uh, because we used managed metadata, mm -hmm. the same managed metadata column can be used in multiple content types, but yeah. it's always linked back because it's managed metadata. Or were you really talking about just having a very flat structure of content types that you set each one up individually? So no, I'm I'm just trying to see if that baseline 
govern uh, baseline oh, okay. documents Why is content that type yeah okay so um, what would be the value of of adding one managed metadata column that would have all the tags from the whole organization in it instead of separating that into hr and legal and purchasing well the, the main reason for doing that is so that you've got one common search and one common set of terms and if i need to you can guarantee that people will create their own library all right with their content type um and um uh, which is of course just put another thought in my head but i'll come back to that in a minute um uh, uh, without thinking about the metadata. So this way they're kind of being forced into do that. Um, but that also brings me back to something. So 2013 SharePoint, mm -hmm. all right, you were not allowed to modify the ba the document content type provided by Microsoft. You can now do that. Okay. So whereas I talked about putting this baseline content type in. You could also do that. You, yeah, yeah, you put it straight into the um, document content type because then any new library will always pick up your important metadata. Ooh. All right. So so consequently, you don't... So if every time a new document library is created at the moment, they get the document content type with no metadata in there. Whereas if you had modified or added the minimal to your document content type, it would be available across all of your libraries instantly. Okay. And especially if you make it mandatory, you can really piss people off. <laughs> oh, yes. But, but, yes, but yes. Now my people have man managed that and made that easy. In fact, I did that by my mistake on a, on a company tenant. I'm going, why is this not working? And I would basically checked the mandatory box on a Ooh. publishing list by mistake. But it was easy to take it off and republish it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'd built the content architecture, yeah. I didn't have to go to 17 different sites to go and turn it off, turn it off. I turned it off in one place, I republished it, and it cleared the yes, problem. Yes, so you just create your content type once, and you reuse it wherever you want. Yeah, so I wanted to say that you need to be very careful with this, because mm -hmm. you don't know what you don't know, and you're guaranteed that somebody will ask you a really, really difficult question around content architecture, and you'll have to start working it into your existing architecture. Yeah. So keeping it simple, stupid, is is really a, an, an interesting approach, or if you can mm -hmm. possibly do that. So always go for the simple solution, not overly complex, because somebody will want to do something which will mean you've got to go and change a bunch of stuff. Yeah. So, and, and there's no limit to the number of content types you have. There's no limit to the number you have in terms of depth. Well, no realistic limit anyway. So. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, cool. So, do you do you draw that out? Do yes. you use some kind of visio to map it out and make it visual? I do. So, I uh, and you do as well. Yeah. So, you start off with your visual drawing where you have your home site and you have your subsites and then you have the sites underneath. And then I continue down in the column and I start writing what the content type is going to be called. And then I also write what the baseline columns are going to be called and I read them down. And it's just one PDF. Uh, a4, A3, whatever size it needs yeah. to be, but mm -hmm. uh, that yeah. you can just send to the board or the project scope uh, uh, core team and go, guys, this is our core architecture. Yeah. These are the metadata columns. Um, and you might not implement it exactly like that as you start to, to work it through, but uh, that's how I do it. Uh, I just do one sheet, uh, but I, I align it to the structure to start off with. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
So how do you, um, and it, this, this is starting to sound like an interview, like uh, me asking you questions, uh, yes. but still, I'm, 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 I'm happy with that because this is a back to basics podcast yeah. and uh, we're really talking about content types. So, And I'm, you have no idea what content types are really, are you? You're just asking me to find out and you're having a learning yeah, session. Exactly, no, no, exactly. Right. Free, uh, free uh, learning. Uh, before you go on, I think people should understand that you started off by being quite Ah, content types are not here and they're not doing what it should no, be. No, no, no. We, we'll come back to that in a second. Oh, you're setting me up, are you? Okay. No, 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 no. Anyway, I'm, I'm no, happy no, no, to no. answer the questions. I, I'm happy I to really, be late, my friend. Yeah, because I really want to have this discussion around how, how important are content types? Why should we use them? How do they work? What are the pitfalls? And my next question as well, how do you come up with those content types what is what's the process what are the questions that you need to ask to the business oh not a small question considering we're no. 45 minutes into our podcast what <laughs> we're 45 minutes into the podcast yes i know it's so much fun isn't it Jeez, and we're we're, we're not we're not even halfway <laughs> we should do a a, a a a second one as well about all this. right okay so, cool let's go re-ask re the question so, no yeah last last question before we get into the whiskey bit um so how do you come up with these content types what are the questions that you need to ask the business if you want to come up with a content type so let's let's use uh legal as an example legal says okay we want to have a new site but we want to have a better way to manage our documents Okay, so the first thing I need to say is that there is no perfect solution for this. None no, at all. no, 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 but no, I'm no, no, just... I'll just let people know that okay. they, there's, yeah. no, there's no, guys, if you do this, no. it will work perfectly. Yeah, yeah, there's because, no next, next, finish no. solution, no. Because imagine exactly. that somebody creates a new folder in legal mm -hmm. about a new kind of legal something that they yeah, need to manage. Precedence, yeah, for exactly. example. Oh, we now want to keep precedence as well. Yeah, okay. so... So all of a sudden you have to find a way of adding that into the process yeah. or you only find out about it after they've already created a lie record precedence and they exactly. come and talk to you. So uh, it's in two approaches uh, and this is the way I like to work it. So the first one is that I always have that structure around uh, the divisions and the sites and everything else. Okay, so that's what I do. I also always have a managed metadata column called organization, which mm -hmm. is mandatory. Uh, but, of course, you can set the default per library. Yeah. But that then allows me to use legal, but I can use it in the legal president site, and then I can tag that content automatically with the yeah. subsites without users having to do yeah. it. Then you so can just say, show me all the legal yeah. precedents. So and that's then... the first thing I always do, and I've mm -hmm. shown that to the board, and they've sold it, and they're showing it to the business, you're good to go. So then you have a meeting with the legal team, and you go, guys, look, this is our document libraries work. You do the you know, the enthusiasm and the evangelism stuff and you show them how cool it is to be able to sort content with metadata and all that kind of stuff. And then you say, okay, so what I really need to know now is what content you're going to store on there. So what I generally do is I ask them to list their top-level folders from their file share. Yeah, because that's, that's, that's probably giving them, yeah. giving you a good idea of what exactly. kind of content is in there. And then I assume that's 55 to 65% of the answer. Mm -hmm. And I know that when I give them their site with those libraries set up with the content type, because generally I keep a library per top level folder. Okay. 
Uh, yeah, so that also means one library per content type as a general rule of thumb? No, not necessarily, because necessary. okay. we only have one legal content type. But yeah. we use the managed metadata inside there to be able to differentiate information if we need to. Okay, yeah, gotcha. So so that's what I that's the way I tend to work. So when I ask about that, um, about that I always look at the libraries and basically use those folder structures. And, and then you have conversations about how different all of those things are and whether the same group of people need to see the same groups of content. Because a content type is about how I identify multiple content across multiple sites. Yeah, we, had, we talked about a local content type being used to add the right metadata. Mm -hmm. That's just a convenience tool. But when it comes to search, roll-up, workflows, and that kind of stuff, being applied to certain specific information across the organization, then you're really looking to find out what type of content is going through. And the term I always use is information flow. Mm -hmm. so I, that way people understand and go, okay, yeah, this is the document. document is created, it's being worked on, it's yeah. being published, it's being So that's kept. life cycle, which is yeah. fine, and that's perfect. But information flow is about how it moves around the business. Okay. So it is part of that life cycle. Mm. But if they, you know, so you often find that a document is going here and there and, and then eventually, like a purchase order, yeah. you know, ask that key question, who owns a purchase order? Well, the purchase order department do. Who fills out the purchase order? Oh, that could be anybody in the organization. All right, so anybody in the organization owns a purchase order. No, because it ends up in the purchase order department. Yeah, but I can guarantee there's a copy stored in legal when they filled theirs out, blah, blah, blah. So that flow of information allows you to go, okay, so I need a content type called purchase order that is not structured around my division because I know that legal will raise purchase orders. Somebody else will, somebody else will. So having got the basic stuff, you then start, as you start to look at the business processes, realize that you need to, get, to, need to do that. But there's no hard and fast rule. It's experience. You'll create too many, start mm -hmm. off with, You'll work out that was a bad idea. You'll create the wrong ones and you'll miss the opportunity to create the right ones. And it's all down to experience. Yeah. yeah and having yeah. a gray beard. Yes. That helps. Yeah. It does. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, there's, I think that there's a bunch of other stuff that we really need to very, very quickly go through. Um, content types are changing. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, Microsoft are modernizing them. And yeah. it was bit, and we had this analogy earlier, which we both liked. It's like modern pages. When modern pages came out, uh, nobody used them that knew anything about SharePoint. Because they were shit. Because yeah. they were short of functionality. Oh, yeah. Yes, that's a better, <coughs> that's a better way of saying it. Short yeah. of functionality. <laughs> no, yeah. no. Okay. Uh, right. Anyway, so consequently, content types at the moment um, uh, is a little technical to say the least. Um, but there are Microsoft are dumbing down the way you add them, but then you yeah. lose some of the functionality. But it basically means that there's some pretty neat stuff being built on them. So Microsoft yes. basically take it back to its core and then they start to add the functionality back on again. Yeah, exactly. Because what, what we actually <laughs> talked about was what you said earlier. Like you've got a content type is metadata plus a template plus a workflow plus policies. Yeah. And we kind of already worked out, well, workflow, you can't really put a workflow on a content type anymore. Now, no. I have to say Daniel Laskowitz... Uh, I asked him that question and he actually came back with a really cool uh, answer. So if you need to do workflow on a content type, what you actually do is you create one modern workflow that does what your workflow needs to do. 
and then on every library you just create a really simple workflow uh, that just uh, calls that mother workflow with the right set of um, of parameters. So then you can modify the mother workflow because it will get applied wherever. Yeah. Exactly. So then you actually have a workflow on your content type, on your local content type that actually asks uh, or runs that one. But it's a typical example because yeah. uh, on the old content types pre-2016, pre-SharePoint Online, actually pre-Power Platform, mm -hmm. um, you would be able to have a content type with a particular workflow applied to it. Sim simple yes. workflows. Yeah. But of course they don't work now because mm -hmm. they've modernized the page and you can't get to it. Same with some of the retention policies. You go into the old pages to do it, which means they're going to move out. And templates, still yeah. as dodgy as they used to be. Um, uh, yes, but templates, Microsoft has now made it very easy to yeah. create or to add templates to a document library. So they made it super easy to create new metadata columns on the library. They made it super easy to add the right template to a document library. We made it super easy to create a workflow around that uh, document library. And then you've got a whole bunch of things around your sensitivity labels and your retention labels uh, for your policy part. So to me, it kind of feels like Microsoft doesn't like content types anymore. And it's, it's kind of moving or dumbing it down uh, to make sure that people can still work in a in a semi-professional document management professional way uh, instead of really coming up with those content types defining those content types but really doing it in a yeah lesser uh, way but that said I'm, I'm still a big I've always been a big fan of content types I still am a big fan of content types so I'm pretty sure that Microsoft will uh, as you said like is now dumbing it down to a baseline level in order to make things great again later on and yeah. adding a bunch of, of really cool stuff on top like of that. Like we know the content type hub is still there. For those of you that you understand what that is, it still exists. Yeah. It's automatically mm -hmm. created. Um, but now they started building modernized front end for all of that. Yeah. So from your admin, in your SharePoint admin, you can get to all of your content types without actually going to the content type hub, it's surfacing them exactly. through the modern pages. Same thing with your managed metadata, Correct. which I think is brilliant. Yes, the new one is great. Yeah. Uh, but as soon as you uh, want to do policy, for example, mm -hmm. then you end up being migrated and transferred to the uh, content type hub, and you yep. get the old-fashioned page. Yeah. So, yep. but, uh, no, it's, it's changing. It really is, and it's, and it's key to Cortex. Yeah. Um, and uh, one or two other things. So it's yeah. it's not lost any of its importance. Um, but if you're going to be serious about managing knowledge within your organization, then you have to put that information layer in above your containers, which is all about the content type. Exactly. Good. And with that said, let's drink some whiskey. You know, we're in a difficult position now because we got so into this subject when we first met this evening we didn't decide which whiskey we were going we to drink. We did not, exactly. So I yes. think we need to go and find that whiskey. Okay, so we've chosen a whiskey. Moraine is not overly happy with this whiskey. It's interesting. So um, we've talked about 
Flavia before. Uh, we're both a member of the Flavia Whiskey Club, mm-hmm. and we get tasting boxes from them. Yes. And I got a, a single grain tasting box mm-hmm. <clears throat> that I'd kind of forgot about, and I dug it out tonight. And uh, we had a choice of three whiskies, and you chose one and went, yeah, let's take this Baines, which has got some pedigree because it's from the same parent company as Boona, um, uh, Deanstons, uh, and one or two others. And um, uh, But the problem is that Moraine saw a word in the uh, Wikipedia page that said, Corn. Corn. Oh, God. I don't like corn He doesn't corn like whiskey. corn whiskey. But he actually liked the sound of this and liked the smell of it. And we've got a bit of a contradiction because it also flavor aligns it, the flavor notes, to Woodford Reserve, which we both adore. Exactly. Yeah. So I think we should just dig in. I love this color. Yeah. Orange amber. Yeah. Very, yeah, very ambery. Yeah. Beautiful. Nice. And then on the nose, um, vanilla. Yeah, well, but it's very light, isn't it? It's it's light, subtle. Actually, the the notes we've just read from some of the other people said it was super smooth. So there's no harshness in the nose. I'm expecting no, it to exactly. be exactly. Yeah, it's kind of like an Irish whiskey, like it no harshness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you can't smell corn, so you'll be happy about that. No, I can't smell corn, but there, there is this, there's this a little bit of warm fruit in there, and there's this, this hint of. I get the custard hint. Something that I'm not gonna like. No, it's pretty decided. Uh, yeah, it, probably it's just the word setting in my head. Yeah. So okay. it's South African. This whiskey is. Yes. So we should say that it's uh, uh, basically in a very hot Cape, uh, area. Yeah, Cape Mountain. Single yeah, grain whiskey. Nice. I'm going to okay. dive in here. Okay, dive in. I'm very curious to see how that works out. Dum, dum, dum. And the verdict is? It's smooth. It's smooth. Okay. But is it corny? No. Okay. <laughs> well, like in a bad joke. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pun intended, yes. Oh, the hint of toasted orange there, but it takes a second or two for it to arrive on the finish. Definitely custard. I mean, I've read this a couple of times, so I can feel that vanilla-y, custardy yeah. taste in there. Oh, yeah. But the fruit disappears, but if you wait long enough, it, suddenly you get a dark toasted orange on the back of the throat. Uh, I do, anyway, on the finish. Okay. Oh, this and, this is way better than I expected. I have to say, for a corn whiskey, this... I've had terrible corn whiskies yes, already. Um, but this, no, this is this is pretty good. Well, it started off well, the great color, and I think the the subtle fruits on the nose were very very pleasant. Yes, um, and um, we read the corn bit, which kind of biased us a little bit, but it didn't for me because I quite like corn whiskey. You know, um, Uncle Nearest, of course, is over sixty percent corn, and Oh, no, that's 6% rye. I was going to say you're Oxford, but that's not true. No, but from the Oxford uh, distillery, we also had that corn whiskey. The thing you need to think about with corn horrible. is that if you talk, think about sweet corn and you think about corn chowder and you think about you know mm-hmm. corn on the cob, it is creamy. You it know, is. The corn as, as, as a, as a yeah. vegetable, I guess it's a yeah. vegetable. Whatever yeah. you tend to do with it, it softens up and it's, you know, it's kind of placid in some respects. 
you stick butter on it and it, it yeah. and you charcoal it and it turns into something special. Um, so I expect a smooth whiskey for this. I think from a corn perspective, the the real question is, and I think the answer is no, is would I go buy a bottle? I might actually. Wow. Can I just say, it's corn. (laughs) I know, I know. But it's not bad. It is very smooth. And I also get the link with the Woodford Reserve as well. Mm. I think if we would get a Woodford Reserve next to this, I think we would go into the same palate area, definitely. Mm -hmm. I'm getting bananas now on the second taste. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a little bit of that typical... Jack Daniels kind of flavor. And I was just wondering, is this a, just another Jack copy? No, it's not. No. Well, sir, I think that was a good choice, actually. Surprising. Yes. So, um, looking at this, I like the finish medium length smooth with hints of sweet grapefruit. Yeah, I kind of... I've got no idea how a grapefruit tastes. Grape. I'm not. I'm, I'm not a very... Big fan of fruit as a fruit, as a texture, as a thing to put in my mouth. I think this has got a... a I'm just going to ignore that opportunity yeah, yeah, yeah. for a joke there. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think this has got really quite nice finish. It's a very smooth finish. And it that, that creaminess comes through, which I've decided is not a bad thing. So, yeah, I like it. It is interesting enough to be there. I think, the aftertaste. Oh, that's very profound, my friend. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's like but... content types. <laughs> yeah. yeah, content types, they're interested enough to be there, but, you know, not many people realize that they are there. No, because it's, it's still a hidden dark art, I think, content types. That's just like getting good whiskeys, a dark art. Yes, exactly. But I think this whiskey is a little hidden gem. And good description. And I might get a bottle because drinking this is a unique enough flavor to be properly enjoyed in my collection. I know, I know, I know. Philosophical moraine today. But actually, basically, what you mean is that that it's different enough to be a contrast to whatever whatever you have. I get that. I keep a few like like the uh, the wild weasel. Yes. Uh, And I I finished off um, my uh, Lagavulin with a friend on New Year's Eve. Mm. I'm thinking, I'm not worried about this because I know I'm going to buy another bottle. Of course. It's a consistent one in the uh, bottle. (gasps) And I have a 12 year old Yamazui. Uh, yam, Yamazuki? Uh, yes, coming. Oh, I, uh, I, uh, I had a fabulous experience with a friend of mine over. Uh, uh, what day was it? Was it? If, he sent a message and said, "Hey, look, I've got bottles of these six packets of them." He okay. says, "Do you know anybody that's got any eighteen-year-old Japanese whiskey?" So I said, "Funnily enough, <laughs> yesterday I was looking around the shop and I found two bottles of." 18-year-old, two different brands of 18-year-old. One was 770 pounds, <laughs> yeah. yours, and one was 830. I says, look, I have no idea, but, but here's the website, yeah. and here's the information. So uh, two minutes later, I got I bought both. Okay. And I'm going, oh, man, when are you going I, to invite me to taste friends. this? <laughs> I need yeah. better friends. But no, but basically, this is the same guy that bought two and a half grand's worth of champagne a few weeks ago when 
Silver went to collect it, and it's all for his customers. So okay. he's in a high-end uh, car business. So it, um, it it has to be. Yeah. So I went. Uh, oh well. I says I guessed as much. Then he went. Here's a gift, and sent me a picture of the twelve-year-old. So I oh, okay. am uh, waiting for my beautiful lady in there to go yoga with the wife of, uh, and hopefully she'll come back with a box. So at some podcast in the future, we will be drinking a 12-year-old Japanese whiskey, which of course is yeah. rocking all shit rare. Now, so. <clears throat> given the occasion of knowing somebody with access to that kind of thing, would we be able to persuade him to give us a taster or to let us buy a taster of one of those bottles to no, actually... You, you missed the point is that they're for his clients. So Yeah. <laughs> so he can yeah, take, look, I get it. I get enjoy it. this bottle of 18-year-old. Yeah. But we did drop a couple of spots. We opened it. <laughs> oh, oh no. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's really to give the whole bottle it's to a, a customer. Oh, yes, okay, it's okay. A oh. It's a corporate Christmas, New Year's gift because... They okay. want them to buy a million pounds worth of something else, you know. Okay, okay, okay. Gotcha. Which is where gotcha. a lot of whiskey goes to nowadays, you know. I get it. Yeah, I, I just need to buy more expensive <sighs> shit. I get it. Father, I must confess a sin, actually. <laughs> oh, God. When I, when I was about, I guess I was about 30, maybe a, a, a mm-hmm. little less than 30. Uh, I used to work in the, the banking industry in, in London, in the stock exchanges. And um, as part of my job as the manager for the stock for this uh, um, dealer room, uh, I was given a bottle of Island Park. Okay. And I hated it. Oh wow! <laughs> I, I, okay. Twenty years later, I'd yes. sit there and go, "Give it me now," you know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I think it took me about four years to drink this bottle of uh, Oh God. Of Island wow. Park. So <laughs> yeah, I, I once did receive the proverbial bottle of Christmas whiskey. Yeah. Uh, but uh, and didn't like I, it. No. I, I was an age where you were I not really mature enough. Pissed. Yes, I it get was it. only a few years before that where I would drink whiskey with fresh orange juice. You know, I mean, it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Okay. So please forgive me. Okay. I yes. All right. Cool. All right. Yeah. Episode seventy-five. I think was a good one. Boom. Yes. Yeah. And I think we need to do a few of these back to basics uh, things right. because I think that the content that we discussed um, definitely will solve a number of questions that people will have around, okay, what are the best practices around how to do this? How do, how do I tackle this? How do I begin to do this? I think you're right. I, I, and I like the idea of, of doing this. So I'm going to let you drive the subjects for the back to base, which is great. But how do you put kind of 20 plus years of experience on managing i mean content types came out in 2007 so it's not 20 years but yeah um how do we manage to get it into such a short amount of time so Mm -hmm. that you know all you can do really is point people and say this is how i do it and then they can go research themselves yeah but we're we're of course they can ask exactly they're more than happy to to deal with specific questions and queries yeah cool yeah, we're we're not really explaining how do you want to create a content type and which buttons to push, but really around what is it, how can I use it, what's the benefit, and and what are some designing best the architecture. How, exactly. How you move yeah. forward and design the architecture. Exactly. And to be honest, I would feel very proud if we were able to um, help people put better uh, architecture, content architecture information architecture in rather than just kind of 
knowing the overall structure. Yep. And it, and it's in, I listen. You're going to chat and tell me to shut up soon because we're near the end. I'm sure. Yeah. But if you understand this architecture, this content type, then you do a better job for your company, your clients, your True. services, or yourself for that matter. Yeah. So yeah. cool. All right, great subject, my friend. Well suggested. <clears throat> yeah, neat. Straight into 2022 with uh, a brilliant great podcast. Content. We we just hope you enjoyed it. Um, uh, I don't know how the format worked. Moraine asking the questions, me giving the answers. Uh, if you like it, please let us know. We know nobody ever will, but we like to encourage <laughs> you to give us your answers. And if you do have specific questions, which of course you won't, but if you do... Then, uh, yeah, Steve, Cy Steve on Twitter, uh, Moraine Summers on uh, Twitter, the same. Uh, and we will track it and we will give you an answer back if need be. Definitely. Um, uh, just to reiterate, really best wishes for 2022. And uh, will this be the year we do our 100th podcast? Uh, probably. 25, because 75, 25. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. this time next year, we're probably doing our 100 podcast. Will we be doing that live from Tokyo? That's that a great question. That is the question. Christmas in Tokyo? Ooh. Oh, I, I, no, I can't sell that to anyone. <laughs> I'm afraid. <laughs> I would be happy to, but I, I no. No, no, no. No, that's fine. No. It doesn't matter. Listen, guys, uh, we're going to be back here in the office in two weeks recording our next podcast. But after that, it'll be very close to uh, Barcelona time. So if yes. there's anything specific you want us to hit while we're in Barcelona, all right, like recommended bars... Uh, all recommended places, right? <laughs> please let us know. Yes. And uh, yes, and if you happen to be in Barcelona at the time, uh, then by let all means, know. join us on yeah. our tour. Uh, I remember the classic uh, bar we ended up last time, which we must try and find again. Oh, yes. Where we ended up oh. recording several podcasts yes. and we that just small. could not use that information. Oh, yes. The, yes. the Campers Club of outdoor something or other i have no idea fabulous cocktails oh my god yes mm. anyway barcelona it is and um goodbye from Sai steve goodbye from me see you soon bye-bye we are not millennials we are matured steve maybe more than Maren. Maturing the business like whiskey in a barrel.